All right, we're in Psalms chapter 96. I want you to notice the first, we're going to look at the first three verses. It says, O sing unto the Lord a new song, sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. And right there, the title of my message today is Declare His Glory. Something that we just can't do too much of is declaring the glory of God, praising God. Now, obviously, a lot of us, you know, we get, we get, we've all met those people before that just talk a little too spiritual and are just like, I'll praise the Lord for everything and just, you, you, they kind of overdo it. Have you ever talked to that person? It's like, all right, it's a nice day today. Well, praise the Lord. You know, and just, they overdo it a little bit. And I don't think we ought to be weird when it comes to praising the Lord. But let me tell you, I do think we all could do a better job of talking about God, you know, giving credit where credit is due, praising his name. You can do all of these things without being weird. I like how it says, show forth his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the heathen. That kind of sounds like soul winning to me, even in the Old Testament. When you're just going, talking, showing his salvation and doing it among the heathen, and that was in the Old Testament. They were supposed to be declaring the glory of God. And there's a lot of scripture that we could go to when it comes to this. But I, want, I just want to say that when it comes to declaring his glory, it is more than just telling people about salvation. We're supposed to be talking about the goodness of God. We are supposed to be lifting him up. I mean, exalting his name, making him look good. That is what we are supposed to do. That is one of our jobs as believers and I want to focus this morning on a story in the Bible where we see David do this very thing. Uh, go over to Psalms, or not Psalms, 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at the story of David and Goliath today. And I want to teach a very important lesson about prayer and something that we leave out in our prayer. And I referenced some of these things on Wednesday uh, when I was preaching and uh, just got motivated to preach about this. I, I thought I'd preach this at this church before. I went back and was looking at my notes. I couldn't find any notes from when I preached it here, but um, this was a sermon I preached in 2008. That's how long ago it was I preached it, so uh, when I was still at my last church. But I want to preach this again because this is very, very important, something we all need to be reminded of. But we're all familiar with the story of David and Goliath. But there's some principles I want us to look at when it comes to prayer, we're going to kind of hit some of the highlights of this story. And I want everybody to, today, I want you to think of yourself, you know, you're David, all right? You're David, and you've got a prayer that needs to be answered, and Goliath represents that prayer that needs to be answered. There's no doubt Goliath was bigger, stronger, and more mighty than David. We all know that David was able to win that battle, not just because he was so skilled with that sling and stone, even though I do believe he was skilled with the sling and the stone, but ultimately it was because he had God on his side. God was with him in that. David gave all the glory and all the credit to God. And I think we need to do the exact same thing. He would not have beat Goliath without God's help. And there's a lot of things that we are going to need as Christians that we're not going to be able to do on our own. Things that we cannot accomplish on our own. And those are Goliaths in our life. And we need God to do something. And so I want you to think about your brothers and sisters in Christ um, you know, and they're kind of like the children of Israel in this story that are going to be watching the battle. We're going to look at the setting here in a little bit, but we've got the children of Israel. They're watching David go fight that battle. You, you have a need in your life. And when you give a prayer request, when you say, Hey, I need the church to pray for me in this area, I'm praying for this. 
the children of Israel, we're all kind of watching to see what happens as you face your Goliath. I want you to think of the Philistines who are also watching as the world, as the lost, as they also see us face the Goliath in our life. There's a lot of people that are watching. And let me tell you, when it comes to the Goliaths that we face in our life, God is, and the prayers that we need answered, God's not just wanting to answer your prayers so you can just get everything that you want. God is wanting to be glorified. That's one of the reasons he wants to answer prayers. And so God, we're in a situation where you do. You have a need. You've got a Goliath. We've got Christians that are watching that need their faith increased. And we've got a world watching who needs to believe on Christ. And God ultimately wants to answer that prayer so he can be glorified. Okay, now I'm not positive he's going to be glorified if you get that new Corvette you're wanting or whatever it is that you're wanting to consume upon your lust. But I'm talking about real needs. I'm talking about real Goliaths and giants that we face in our life. So let's go ahead and look at some of the setting of this story, kind of keeping all these things in mind. And it's, it's okay for us to make life application in these stories. That's why they are there. The Bible tells us that. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3, it says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain, and on one side, and on on the one side, and Israel stood in a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Now, this valley where David and Goliath would fight each other, um, you know, this is a place that you can go visit today. They believe they know the spot where this happened. These two mountains, they would be a safe distance from each other. And they're wanting to fight those Philistines, but you know, you don't want to just go approach that mountain. Because, you know, they got the high ground and we all know what happens when you've got the high ground, right? So, you know, typically, you know, you're, you're, you're at a safe place when you're both on your mountains. But what would Goliath do? He would come out in that valley and he would challenge Israel. He was defying them, trying to get them to send somebody. But there, if you go and you look at the place, I was watching some videos about the location. You know, there is, there's, a, there's a lot of space between these mountains. So if you are... Standing on either of those two mountains and you're watching a battle going on in the middle You're going to be able to see a little bit, but you're not going to be able to tell everything That's going on. So that might just kind of give you some perspective So goliath he comes out and every day for 40 days He is he's I mean he's blaspheming god. He's defying the god of israel Trying to get somebody to fight him and one day david shows up and it says in verse 23 and as he talked with them, behold, there came up with the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. So he said the same thing he'd been saying for 40 days. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So notice the reaction of Israel when they hear the words of Goliath. Now, folks, this is bad because Israel, God had a history of taking care of giants for Israel. Remember when they saw Jericho the first time, when they saw the giants and they all wept and they cried? They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't trust God to take care of those giants. And you know what? 40 years later, they finally learned their lesson. The next generation got it right and God went and won the battle in Jericho. But now here we are, several generations later, they've forgotten all about that and now they've got one giant. And they all should have had the attitude, well, you know, if God took care of the giants of Jericho, this guy's not going to be a problem. But Israel was not in a good state spiritually at this time. So when they hear Goliath get up defying the armies of Israel, they run. That's not good. That's, I mean, what a shame that was. But, you know, David, he hears the words of Goliath. And David is thinking, how, why isn't anybody stopping him? 
David, he, he didn't even notice the fact that he was a giant. You know why? Because David had too close of a walk with God. David, he's thinking about God and a giant. There's no contest. But unfortunately, Israel, they weren't thinking about God. There's a song our kids used to sing uh, when we started the church called When Compared to God, Everything's Small. There's no giant that compares at all. It's all about this story. And th that's true. Giants are nothing to God. They're a huge deal to us, but they're nothing to God. And so I love David's reaction. Verse 26 says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killed the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David is not just talking tough right here. David, he means this in his heart. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And, you know, the, peop, you know, the children of Israel are thinking, um, did you see the size of that guy? This guy's huge. He's a warrior. Have you seen anybody that goes up? They don't stand a chance against this guy. But David, that's not, that's not his thinking. David is too focused on God. And so David is confident that God is going to deliver this giant and David had a reason for that, not just because of what God had done in past history with Israel, but because of what God had done in David's own history. Look what it says in verse 33, because David, he goes to Saul, you know what? If nobody's going to take this guy. I'll take him. You know, yeah, I'm not a warrior, but I've got God on my side. So, you know, who cares? Let's go take care of this guy. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Now, folks, this passage right here in this point here makes me want to just go full camp meeting on this sermon right here. But listen, David had no doubt God could defeat this giant because... He had done other things before. He had done other miracles before in his life. He helped him slay a lion and a bear. And he's like, you know what? If the Lord can help me do this, this giant's not going to be a problem. Now, you all say, well, you know what? God hasn't done any miracles in my life. And my question to that is, have you ever been saved? Have you, have you ever been saved? You know, sometimes I think we just don't really believe half of what we say. It's like, wait a minute. So you believe that God took your sorry soul, you know, he took your sinfulness and that he just cleansed you and purified you and it made you eternally secure just by the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You do believe Jesus really rose from the dead, don't you? Yeah, we all believe that, right? I hope we do. So you believe he literally rose from the dead. In fact, the Bible teaches that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? So if God raised Jesus from the dead, He's going to raise you from the dead one of these days. You believe that these saved people who are laying in graves, whose bodies have deteriorated and rot, you believe that God is going to raise them from the dead. And hopefully you believe that just as much as you believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We say we believe all of those things. 
and we, we claim to be a son of God right now. We claim that we're going to have a glorified body. We're going to be in heaven all because we put our faith in what Jesus Christ did. And yet we don't think God can answer a prayer. We don't think God can help us, you know, with a financial need, with a physical need. We don't think God can answer a prayer and fix a situation in somebody's life that he can't mend a relationship, that he can't fix a marriage, that he can't, you know, help somebody get victory over sin, that he can't help somebody get over a drug addiction. I mean, whatever it is, whatever giant it is you're facing in your life, you all claim to believe that you're saved, but yet when it comes to all these other things that are much, much smaller, all of a sudden God can't do that. Isn't that kind of hypocritical? You know, we wonder why people don't want to listen to us when we talk about the gospel. Maybe it's because we don't, you know, that's literally the only thing we believe. And listen, if that's all you believe, you're going to go to heaven. But if that's literally all you believe about God, I sometimes wonder if you really believe that. If you don't believe these smaller things, we're all ready to believe the big thing, but not, you know, not the small thing. You know, we're like, we're like Mary and Martha at Lazarus' grave. When Jesus shows up there, you know, it's too late. You know, Jesus said, thy brother's going to rise again. Well, yeah, I know he will at the resurrection of the last day. Well, I know God's going to do miracles in the future, but not right now. You know, if, if it's right now, I don't, I don't have that kind of faith. We can all believe something in the future. Folks, that's pathetic. This Christian life is not just about us having hope and having joy over things from the past or things that are to come in the future. We're supposed to have hope and joy right now. We're supposed to be victorious right now. And so David, here he is in a situation where he's like, he's got a giant that he's got to face. But understand, his belief that God could deliver that giant into his hand, it was not just, you know, it wasn't based on anything. David had a history of seeing God do miracles through him. And you know, if, when that, when, you know if, you've ha- if you've just been saved, if that's all you've ever gotten from God is salvation, then you have no reason to doubt Him. You have no reason to doubt that He can answer your prayers. And, but yet, we, just, we don't even try half the time. It, it really is sad. So, David, he, did, he brought up what God had done in the past. It's okay for you to do that when it comes to praying. So, David... He didn't, so look at verse 38. So it says, you know, Saul ends up telling David, go and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail and David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. You know what? When David went to go in that battle, I love what he says. He's like, I can't, I can't go to battle with these things because I haven't proved them. I haven't, I haven't tested them. I've never used these things before. I don't know what, I don't know what they're capable of. Okay? But David did go out there with God because guess what? David had proved God. David had used God before. David had experience with God. And David wanted to make sure when he went into that battle that he wasn't trusting anything other than God. He's like, I don't know if I can trust this armor. I don't know what it's capable of. I don't know if it's capable of taking Goliath's spear. I don't know if it's capable of stopping his sword. I don't know what I'm capable of doing with it. But he's like, I I know what happens when God's with me. 
And so, you know what? I'd rather just go in just with God who I've trusted, I've proved. And let me tell you, we're always just ready to just trust in something new, try something new. Let's try some new thing. All right, let's do this new thing. And then we'll get the prayer answer. Why don't you trust the old thing? You know, you got saved just by putting your faith and trust in Christ. Why don't you try doing that? Just like when you called on the Lord for salvation and he saved you, why don't you call on the Lord and just ask him to help you with this giant that you're facing in your life? Instead of you going in there trying to bring, you know, whatever you can. And let me tell you, there's a lot of things that we trust in. There's a lot of things that we try to, uh, you know, help help with. Because, you know, David could have said, well, you know, I'm going with God. But you know what? It probably wouldn't hurt to have some armor, too. And, you know, a lot of times that's what we do when it comes to our prayers. Well, I know I'm going to trust in God, but I'm going to see if I can, you know, help God out a little bit too, you know, just in case God misses the mark. You know, how about I bring some of my own righteousness? How about I bring some of my own worthiness? You know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be super, super good this week. And then God will be more likely to answer my prayers. And listen, I'm not telling you that if you sin more, God is going to be more likely to answer your prayers. I'm not telling you that. But let me just tell you something. When you come with this attitude of I'm deserving it, I'm earning it, then you're probably not going to get what you want. Now, I know I got this big bill, but, you know, maybe if I empty my bank account, you know, if I give this money, then God will do this thing. You know, we got to watch out for that stuff. We got to watch out for doing things to try to make us worthy and just need to understand we're not worthy, but it's okay You know, we, it's okay for us to want God to do things. It's okay for us to ask God for things. It's so God wants us dependent on him. And I I believe too often we're trying to help. And so we do, we kind of bring these extra things, but David's like, no, I'm not going into that battle except with the one thing I've tested, the one thing I've proved, and that's God because he only wanted to be depending on him. So look at verse 45 says, Then said David to the Philistines, so David is facing off with Goliath now, and he says, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And notice how David, he publicly called out what was going to happen before it happened. I mean, he literally, they, they both literally did this thing. Have you ever seen that before where people are going to get in a fight? It's like, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to rip off your arms. I'm going to punch you in the face with your own fists. And then I'm going to, you know, and they'll tell you all these things that they're going to do to you to try to scare you and intimidate you. And usually it's the big bully guy that does that to the little guy. David did that to Goliath. David's like, yeah, I'm going to smite you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your own sword. I'm going to cut off your head. And I'm, I'm going to do it. In, and I'm going to do it in front of this whole congregation. I'm doing it in front of the whole assembly. And you know why I'm going to do it? Not so everybody will think, wow, look at David. No, because I'm going to glorify God. So everyone's going to know that the God of Israel is the true God. Let me tell you, David, while he got accused of having this, you know, tough guy attitude or wanting to make himself look good with his brothers, that wasn't it at all. David was offended that this giant was defying the God of Israel. He's blaspheming the name of his God. He's like, he can't get away with that. 
Nobody can talk about God that way. And David didn't think, I'm going to take care of him. He think God's going to take care of him. And David was expecting somebody else to be used. Nobody was going to do it. It was like, well, you know what? Yeah, God could have done it with King Saul. God could have done it with Eliab, David's brother. God could have done it with any of those people. So David's like, well, you know what? They're not going to do it. If God can do it with me too. God can do it with anybody. So David, David did not have, this was not David glorifying himself, but he did. He publicly called out what was going to happen before it happened. And sure enough, it happened. And we know what happens. We all know the story. David kills Goliath. But I want, to, I want to point out something. And this is all kind of leading to really the main point of what I want to get to about prayer and something that we forget and something when it comes to declaring his glory. Notice what it says in verse 49. Because I don't believe, any, I don't believe there's any mistakes in our King James Bible. I believe everything that's there in the Bible is there for a reason. I think, I think they got it all right. But let me, let me point out something to you that's interesting that Somebody brought up years ago to me, and that was when I originally preached this message. But verse 49, it says, And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slain it, slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. So, what did David slay Goliath with? A sling and a stone. With no sword in his hand. Okay? That's what the Bible says right there. Now, I've heard people say before, you know, David like knocked him out with a rock. But he actually slew him with a sword. And one of the reasons that they'll say that too, but no, David prevailed over him. Right here in verse 50, David won. Goliath's dead. David slew Goliath. And he did it with a sling and a stone. That's, that's real clear, isn't it? But in verse 51, it says, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And so what people say, well, it wasn't the stone that killed him. It was actually the sword. And in the King James Bible, it's a mistranslation because it said slew him with the stone. But it was actually with the sword that he slew him. He actually just knocked him out and then cut off his head no i don't believe that i believe he slew him with a sling and a stone but here it mentions that he slew him with a sword now you know, why does it say he slew him twice okay do, you know, do we have a mistake here you know what's going on because david did he killed goliath with the stone the victory's won the battle's over david knew it but let me tell you at this point david is really the only one that knew they're fighting in a valley that's in between two mountains so if you're the Philistines on one side, if you're the children of Israel on the other side, you know, you see Goliath fall down. But at the same time, in their minds, it's, the battle's not over yet. In their minds, they might be thinking, oh man, he just, he got knocked down. Or maybe they even thought, maybe Goliath's messing with him. Because nobody expected David to win. You know, who, who knows what all was going through their head. They might be thinking he got knocked down, but he's probably going to get back up. So, so the thing is, as far as Israel's concerned, as far as the Philistines are concerned, when Goliath is laying there, the battle's not over for sure yet. But you know what? David was not there to just kill Goliath for himself. This wasn't about just David going into the battle and surviving this was about declaring the glory of God. 
before all the congregation. This was about helping Israel know that God is the God of Israel. This was about helping the enemies of God know, the Philistines know, that there was a God in Israel and they need to get the message that the Lord won the battle, that God is in control. And so at the moment when Goliath is dead and the battle is technically over, Israel and the Philistines, they don't know that yet. But let me tell you something. You know when they knew for sure that it was over and Goliath wasn't getting back up? After David cut his head off and lifts his head up. And you know he did that. He just, he, he, you know after he did that, he picks that head up and he holds it up. So at a distance, everyone can see Goliath's not getting back up. Okay, after you get your head, you, you can get knocked down, you can get knocked out, you can even get back up. Once your head gets cut off, you're done. There's no doubt about it. So the thing is, at that moment, after David cuts his head off, and he lifts that head up for everyone to see, at that moment, battle in, in the minds of Israel now and the Philistines, the battle's over. David slew Goliath. After David hit him with the stone, David knew he slew Goliath. But let me tell you, after he lifts up the head, that's when the children of Israel, that's when the Philistines are saying, David slew Goliath. That's when they knew that the battle was over. And what David was doing when he removed the head of Goliath was publicly declaring to all that God had given victory because God did not just deliver Goliath into David's hand for David. God did it for all Israel, for all the Philistines, for all the world. And David made sure that everyone knew it because he wanted God to get his glory. You know what he was doing? He was declaring the glory of God right then. And I'm afraid that many times when God does things for us in our life, when God answers our prayers, we forget to cut the head off. We forget to hold that head up. We forget to declare God's glory among the congregation. We forget to declare God's glory among the heathen. And you need to understand, God did not just answer your prayer. So again, you can have what you wanted. God wants to answer our prayers so we can, so he can be glorified. So we can declare his glory among the congregation. So we can declare his glory among the heathen. And I'm here today to tell you that I think that's something that all of us need to be doing. Folks, I know, I know for a fact that God has answered many of your prayers because of the fact that every one of you that are sitting in here today, we've probably at some point prayed for your sickness, you know, because you've been sick. I mean, how many people got COVID? Okay. And, and, and you're all, we all got COVID and we're all still here. You know, we prayed for you. Well, you know, that was just thankful for my immune system. You know, we ought to give glory to God for that. We get our prayers answered all the time and we don't tell anybody about it. We don't acknowledge it. We, we don't, we don't declare his glory and we can go on and on with, with things where we just, we, we forget about that. And folks, that is not right. So why did David, again, why did David cut that head off of Goliath? Well, the first reason was, I believe it's because he said he was going to. When they were having their verbal fight, I'm going to do this to you. Goliath's like, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to feed you the beast of the field, the fowls of the air. It was like, yeah, all right, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut off your head with your own sword. Look what it, look what it says in verse 44. First name of 17, verse, verse 44. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh of the fowls of the air to the beasts of the field. Then, da- then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come unto thee, not with a sling and a stone, in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, this day will the Lord deliver. What, you know, who is David to be speaking for God and telling everybody what God is going to do? You know, you know who he was? He was, he was able to do that because he was a man of faith. He was a man who believed God. He was a man who believed the stories of old, of their history, of God delivering the giants. He had no reason to doubt that God was going to defeat this giant. And so he's speaking for God. He said, I'm gonna, I will give, uh, he said, I will smite thee, take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, unto the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And you know what? How many times do we pray and do we say God's going to answer this prayer? Why, why, don't, we, why don't we have that attitude? Why, why don't we ever... You know, we all, we all tell people all the time, hey, if you will pray and call on the Lord to save you, He will save you. Now, understand, it's, that one's pretty easy because we know for sure that it's God's will for people to be saved. I get it. There are some things where we don't always know what God's will is. I'm not getting up here and I'm not trying to preach some name it, claim it, charismatic type thing. You know, go pray for a you know, check for $1,300 and 42 cents and you're, you know, come to the mail tomorrow and it will. I'm not, I'm not talking about it. I don't know for sure it's God's will for you to get a $1,300 check and 42 cents in the mail. I don't know that. But there are sometimes there's things that we know are God's will. There's things that we, that we know he wants to do, but yet we're afraid to declare that ahead of time. Well, I don't know why I need to say anything. Here's why you need to say something, because there's people around you that don't have a whole lot of faith. May, you know, there, there can be people in this church that don't have a whole lot of faith, that have no expectation from God. You know what? Maybe you do have more faith, but you know what you need to do? You need to declare His glory. You need to say, hey, this is what I believe God's going to do. This is what I'm planning on God doing. This is what I'm expecting God to do, and I believe God's going to get it done. You need to say something about it in church. That way, maybe that newer believer, that person who doesn't have a whole lot of faith, will hear that and say, you know what? I could probably do that same thing too. There's nothing special about them. You know, it, this, isn't about, this isn't about us. This isn't about that, this person who's just a really good Christian, this one who's not as good of a Christian. This is about God. And so we need to, when we pray, we need to have that expectation and we need to be public about it. Is, is, you know, so is God answering our prayers? Are we just forgetting to tell everyone? And I think that happens a lot. A lot of times we're public about giving our prayer requests, but we're not public when it comes to the answers. I don't believe that's right. I think we need to make sure we do both. Or, you know, and here's the thing too. Let, let's just be real honest with ourselves right now. I wonder sometimes if we don't say anything publicly, because we're trying to save God the embarrassment if he doesn't come through. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to say what God's going to do in this situation. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get up like, I believe God's going to answer this prayer request because I don't want him to look bad if he doesn't get it done. Is, is that what you think of God? Like, listen, I've been embarrassed by people many times in my life. Okay? You know, people let you down. People disappoint you. Yeah, you can count on this person. You're going to do it right. They're going to get the job done, whatever. And then they completely mess up. And, you know, and then next time you're not as confident to maybe recommend that person. But let me tell you, God doesn't mess up. God doesn't, God doesn't fall short. God might not always do 
what we think he'll do in situations. But let me tell you, God's going to get it done. I was just telling our visitors about how we got this building. God did the way everything went for us, with us getting this building was not according to our plan at all. And not according to our timing. It took way longer. But the way it all went down, the way it all worked out was so much better. It's like we had a plan, but God had a better plan, didn't he? And it, it was, it was it was way better. God, not only did he come through, but he came through way above what we asked or expected. And that's typically how God, how God does things. You know, God typically outdoes what we think he's going to do. And you know why God does that? Because he wants to be glorified. God needs to be glorified. You know why? Because our world needs to know that there is a God. Our world needs to know that He is there, that He can save them. Christians need to be reminded that God can do things in their life because God doesn't want our lives to be pathetic. God doesn't want our marriages falling apart. God doesn't want us failing and being miserable. God wants to answer our prayers. But unfortunately, we forget that He can do things. We forget about His power. And part of... Our, our job as, as an assembly of believers is we're supposed to be exhorting one another, provoking one another to love and good works. We're supposed to be provoking people to prayer. And maybe if we would pray every once in a while publicly and, and then declare it when God gets the job done, maybe more people would be praying. Maybe more people would be talking about the Lord. But I'm afraid we just don't have any faith. And we do. It's like we think God's, you know, we're going to make God look bad. Because God, I don't, know, I don't know if he can handle this situation. I think that's a pretty sorry attitude. There's definitely no excuse for that. Again, he saved you. And he, he gave you salvation for free. I think these other things are going to be a lot easier to do. He had to go to the cross to be able to give you salvation. But when it comes to the things of this earth, I mean, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. These other things, he can, he can freely give you know, no loss to him at all. It'll still be yours. He had to suffer loss for you to be able to get salvation. So why would he give these more inferior gifts? So I do. So David, he cut off Goliath's head because he said he was going to. He was wanting to show. Listen, I knew what God was going to do. This is what I, this is what, uh, I declared this happened. I believe he did it also to frighten the enemies of Israel. And notice in verse 51, it says, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took the sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof, slew him, cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And you know what? David didn't even have to say anything. Just held up the head and they took off running. Now remember when Goliath went and said words to them? When Goliath just went out there and said words... The, children, the, the armies of Israel fled. David didn't even have to say any words. He said plenty just by holding up the head. You know why he was doing? Because he was showing the work of God. God delivered the giant. God did that work. And when the, when the Philistines saw that, they took off running. So David did that to frighten the enemies of Israel. God, or Goliath, was dead, but the Philistines weren't sure yet. I guarantee you, they all had a moment of gasping, wondering, because I don't know how much distance there was between David and Goliath when he slew that, you know, or when he, when he threw that stone at him. I'll bet David was pretty good at it. But when Goliath fell over like that, again, I, I'm speculating here, but I just picture the Philistines, oh, he's messing with them. I imagine some were like, wait a minute, what happened? But no, I'm, they were kind of in a state of 
denial. But once the head was cut off, there was no doubt. And when God brings victory in our life, we need to show it to the world. When you get saved, you need to show it to the world. That's the most important miracle. That's the most important answer to prayer that you could ever show the world is the salvation that God gives. It says in First Chronicles 16.24, Declare His glory among the heathen, His marvelous works among all nations. We're supposed to tell everybody about the glory of God. We are supposed to, as it said in Psalms, to show forth His salvation from day to day. We're supposed to let people know what God is able to do. That's our, And let me tell you, it's a shame. It is a shame when people get saved and they don't share it with other people. It's a shame. God, God delivered a giant greater than Goliath into your hand and you're not going to cut the head off and show everybody? Listen, when, when you get saved... You're saved. You're like David after he hit Goliath with that rock. David won the battle. It's over. But David knew, I've still got a job to do. I've got to declare his glory. And when you get saved, you're saved. But if you don't go cut that giant's head off, figuratively speaking, and hold it up for the world to see, then you're the only one that's going to get saved from it. But if you go and you tell everyone about what God did for you, you know what? Some other people might believe too. Some other people might end up getting saved. But a lot of people, they get saved, and that's just it. Well, I got what I needed. I killed, you know, Goliath's dead. Thank you, Lord, for killing Goliath because I didn't want to go to hell. And great, you're not going to go to hell. But there's Christians. You know, you know, you know I mean, you know how encouraging it is when you, see, you get somebody saved and then they go out soul too? That's encouraging, isn't it? It's motivating. You know how motivated we would be if all the people who get saved would come to church and start living for the Lord? Talk about a boost in morale. That'd be huge. But you know what? A lot of these people that get saved, they're content with just that. You know, they need to cut that head off and they need to wave around because we need to see it. And this neighborhood needs to see it. And there's a world that needs to see what's going on. And so Christians these days, we often do the opposite. It's like we only talk about the defeats. You know, and you know what all that does? That just emboldens the enemy. We talk about all the problems. We see in 2 Samuel 1.19, after the death of King Saul, David is speaking and he says, The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not at Gath, which is where Goliath was from, by the way. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. We see in Micah 1.10, it says, Declare ye it not at Gath. Weep ye not at all in the house of Aphra. Roll thyself in the dust. Why are they always worried about what Gath thinks? Why are they always... You know why? Because they were the enemies of God. And you know, they didn't want the enemies of God being encouraged. Nobody wants to see that. One of the worst things about bad things happening to you is if knowing your enemies know about it. Because you don't want them to get a good feeling. You know, it's like bad things can happen as long as nobody knows. It's like when you fall down. Okay? When you fall down, first thing you do, if you didn't get hurt, you look to see if anybody was watching. If nobody was watching, no big deal. But if it was, but if it, you know, people were watching, if there was a camera on it, then it's horrible, right? It's so much worse. And you just hope, man, I hope everybody doesn't see this. And especially the enemies. And you know, let me tell you something. Some Christians are so negative. It's like they're always encouraging the enemies. They're always talking about the defeats. They're always sharing all the problems. 
You know, if God doesn't answer your prayer, you'll tell everybody about that. But you know what? When it comes to the things He does for you, boy, you are so silent. I mean, we, we, we can't pry it out of you. It's crazy how we're like that. But that's not right. We need to tell both the saved and the unsaved alike about the goodness of God. 1 Samuel 17, verse 47, David said, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. All the assembly, not just the assembly of Israel, the assembly of the Philistines too. Israel needed to be reminded, God doesn't save with sword and spear. Israel, needed, Israel should have known that, but they had forgotten that. And let me tell you, we can, even though you're in church, you can be around people a lot of times, you can be a lot around a lot of Christians who they forget about what God can do. They forget that God can answer prayers. We forget that. And so when you get an answer to prayer, you know what you ought to do? You ought to tell everyone about it. And this isn't bragging, okay? We're not, we're not trying to brag. And, you know, and everybody's heard the braggadocious prayer requests and stuff. I, I, I don't want to have to teach you how to do this, how to declare God's glory without looking like you're bragging. But here's basically the secret to it. Just, if you're not full of pride, and if you have a little humility, you're just naturally going to get it right. I don't know how to display it for you exactly. But if, you, if your heart's right, you'll get it right. Everybody, everybody knew when David got done who deserved the credit and the glory. It was God. So we've got to make sure we're doing this. And so the last reason David cut his head off was, again, not just, you know, not because he said he, said he was going to it for one. He wanted to freak out the enemies of God. That's good. But also to encourage Israel to finish the battle. So we see in verse 52, it says, And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Now all of a sudden they're brave. Now all of a sudden they're acting like believers. And you know what? Shouldn't have took, taken this, but you know what? It got, hey, as long as the job gets done, right? And they went and they shouted, Pursue the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sherem even unto Gath and unto Ekron, and the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And let me tell you, Christians need to hear about the great victories that God has brought. You know why? Because we, you know, David, he couldn't collect all the spoils himself. You know, he, there's only so much that one man can do. He needed the rest of the army to go take care of these things. And it was David's act of faith. It was David's you know, belief in God that motivated everyone else to finally get involved and do their part. And you know what? We need some of God's people to step up. And, you know, and not, not just the pastor. Listen, God didn't use King Saul. God didn't use the leader in the story. God used a shepherd in the story to motivate an entire congregation to get up and finally start fighting the battle. And you know what? God can use anyone in this church. God might want to use a child. God can use a teenager. God can use a, an elderly person who has a need, who has, has a challenge, and if they would publicly, ahead of time, okay, now, this is what some of you are going to want to do because you have such little faith. You're going, to go, you're going to go privately pray something, and then if God answers it, you'll tell everybody. But it's like you've got to do that one part privately first in case God doesn't come through again. No. Publicly. Okay? We publicly say, you know, hey, I'm looking for answer to prayer in this area. We, we all need to see it coming. That, that, that's what every one of us need. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, 25, 
As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. We need to, we need to know, see the need ahead of time, and we need to see the victory. And we need to hear, we need, we need all those things. That's a very important thing. And it will be, it will be like cold water to a thirsty soul. It will be something that will motivate all of us and just renew that spirit. And you know what, you know what it'll do? It'll get all of us. It, it, I mean, just, just you, one person going and defeating a giant through the power of God can get a whole congregation of people praying like they should. Folks, God wants us dependent on him. God wants us praying. You know, what is the point of us coming to church if it's not getting us closer to God? If, if it's not getting us to talk to him more? You know, we have so many churches that are, you know, they, they're successful in getting a crowd. They're successful as a social club. People come together. They have a good time. They have good fellowship, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and those aren't bad things. But if that's all we're doing and we're not getting individuals closer to God, if we're not growing in our spiritual life, if we're not seeing you know, battles won and, and God do victories, you know, really, what is the point of all that? Ultimately, we're trying to get more people saved and we're trying to get more people that are saved to start acting like it and to start seeing great things. And so we've got to, we all have a part to play in this. And I, do, I believe this is an area where most Christians are dropping the ball. And the devil's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you, you know, the people are just going to think you're bragging. If you tell people about what God's done for you. But the truth is, people need to hear it. I talked to a pastor one time who was, was talking about, you know, how a lot of the soul winning that they do in their ministry and about all the people they get saved. But he's like, I never share the numbers, though, because he was always getting criticized from these preachers that acted like he was bragging. And I just told him, I said, listen, report the numbers. I said, you, you want to know any preacher that's going to get mad? It's just because, one, they're either jealous because you're, you know, God's using you more, you know, but the truth is, you know, every, I, I said, every time you tell people this many people got saved, they've, they've got to admit one or two things, either, you know, it's easy to get people saved and we're just not doing it, you know, or it's hard to get saved and this guy's just a liar, you know, and, and that's, and that's what a lot of them are starting to teach too. And I was like, you know what? We need people like you letting everybody know what God's doing because there's a lot of these preachers that that's what they really believe and they need to be exposed. They, let's let, make them expose themselves for what they really are. I said, if you're seeing that many people getting saved, and, you know, and I have no reason to doubt what he said. He, when he was telling me about how many people they have going out and what they're doing. I mean, good night. You know, if they're, they're going out doing that, that many people, they're going to be seeing a lot of people get saved. And it's, it's not bragging, but... People who are doing nothing, people who God aren't using, they do. They want, they want us to clam up about these things, and then they'll just tell you you're bragging. No, we're not bragging because, you know, we don't save anybody. God saves people. We're just the one they use. And David wasn't bragging when he held up that head. We're not bragging when we tell people about what God did and about how many souls were saved. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to provoke other people. If we can go out and get a whole bunch of people saved, any church can. Any believer can. And so... We need to show this next generation how real God is. And we've got to declare His glory. The glory of God's there. The heavens declare the glory of God. But God wants us doing it too. And so I'm, I'm, I'm challenging all of you out there today to do this very thing. Talk about the things that God has done. Talk about it and talk about it before He even does it. 
That needs to be our attitude. We're going to talk about it before he even does it. I still like talking about it. You know, and, you know, I meant it. I believed it. It happened when we first started this church. I had a Jehovah's Witness knock on my doors when we were still living at the house over in town. And, you know, and I told him, I said, you know what? I said, I'm tired of you people just going around, you know, turning everybody against soul winners and door knocking. I said, you guys annoy people. You harass people. And you give people like us who knock doors a bad name. He's like, well, you know, how many people in your church are even knocking doors? And we had just got started. There was barely anybody knocking doors during that time. I said, well, there's not very many right now. He's like, well, almost all our people go out and knock doors. I just said, listen, I said, one of these days when you knock on people's doors, everybody's going to think it's the Baptist. And let me tell you, that has come to pass. There are way more doors getting knocked on by Baptists out here. I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a JW. And you know what? They checked out of this area before COVID happened. They can't even keep using that as an excuse. They were doing nothing in this area before COVID. And, you know, and, and why did I say that too? I didn't say that just because it was just you know, a tough guy act. And we're just, you know, arguing and trying to, you know, see whose church is better and all that kind of stuff. No, I believe God was going to do that out here. I really did believe that God was going to do that. And I would love to run into that guy again, but I'll probably never find him because they're all hiding under a rock still. But if I, if I ever do run into that guy again, I'd love to tell him about how many people we have out knocking doors. And, you know, and, and you know how many Jehovah's Witnesses doors we've knocked on in the last couple of years too? I love that. And every time that happens, I think about that. It's like, you know, and every time one of you come back, you know, like, I th- yeah, we knock on the door of Jehovah's Witness. I'm always hoping it's that guy. <laughs> I'm always hoping uh, it's him. And I hope he remembers what I said. And you know what? One of these days, I hope to see him. I'm going to hold up that head. I don't know how I'm going to do that exactly. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to find a way to let him know. It happened, buddy. Your guys is church closed down y'all are merging you guys are merging all your churches because they're all dying that's not happening over here you can come over here anytime you want and then we're going to throw you out after that but (laughs) unless you get right but god god's gotten it done over here and i believe god's going to keep doing great things not bragging on us we're bragging on god don't ever let people shame you into not bragging on god we are allowed to declare his glory so with that let's pray dear lord we thank you so much for this uh, story, Lord, it's been used uh, as an inspirational story for so many things in our lives. But Lord, I pray we will especially take it to heart when it comes to this matter of prayer. Lord, it is so wrong for us to ever doubt you and to just and to not pray. But Lord, I pray you'll help us to be public about these things, that we will constantly uh, glorify you. We'll have expectation from you to do great things because we know you can. And I pray that we as a church and we as individuals will be a people that are declaring your glory to the brethren and to the heathen. In your name we pray. Amen.